As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Getting ready for the Week 10 Weekend on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Everybody, weekend is here. Friday is here. Friday the 13th is here. Uh-oh, just a couple of weeks after Halloween. Staying spooky, and we are ready for the Week 10 weekend on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, I hope you're not suspicious, sir. This might be a bad weekend to play fantasy football. How you doing? Yeah, I'm not one to worry about Friday the 13th, <laughs> but... Um... Again, in 2020, maybe not a smart yeah. thing to say. I think things are going pretty well overall. I think this is a really nice weekend of matchups. So excited for what we have on tap here in Week 10. Yeah, yeah me too. And let's uh, let's just ride through a couple of uh, the big injury updates that we got on Thursday. We'll wrap things up with a quick hitter of uh, things that we'll be watching on Friday's practice reports or watching for from Friday's practice reports. It all starts with... Miles Sanders, a full practice on Thursday as he makes his way back from a knee injury. So Miles Sanders, it is safe to say, will be out there for the Eagles against the Giants this week. Let's start there with uh, what our workload expectations are for Miles Sanders. We haven't heard anything from Doug Peterson, but I don't see any reason to think that they would hold him back. This was a one to two week injury. He missed the two games plus a bye. This sounds like a guy who's at 100%. Yeah, it does. I look back to week two. That, which was the first game Sanders played this season. He had a hamstring injury, I think, in the opener mm-hmm. that kept him out. They gave him 20 carries, threw the ball in his direction seven times in that Week 2 game against the Rams. So no real reservations about his health in that instance. I have to think, given that they waited three weeks to bring him back off this knee injury, it's going to be something similar. This is a great matchup, probably the best matchup we've seen for Miles Sanders this season. I like him quite a bit. I don't see any compelling reason to give Boston Scott more than a couple of targets in the passing game, maybe a carry or two. It should be an easy 15 touches for Miles Sanders, but 
it would not surprise me at all to see 20 total touches for him here in week 10. Yeah, that was where I was headed next. Boston Scott, unviable, I, I think, this week. I, you don't want to cut him because Miles Sanders now has had two injuries and he had some injuries last year. So I think Boston Scott, you know, at this stage of the game, we want to keep those high-value backups on our roster. So I'm not cutting Boston Scott unless I have to, but I'm definitely not starting him this week. And another thing to watch with Miles Sanders, you know, he was the one guy for this team early in the season when everything was going haywire for the Eagles. He was the one guy who was basically delivering as expected. And now you've got Jalen Rager back healthy. You've got Dallas Goddard back healthy. You have Alshon Jeffrey practicing in full, and he could make his season debut this week. This Eagles offense is starting to round into form, but Miles Sanders still the guy at the center of it. I don't think we have to worry at all about volume with him, and in fact, having a fully formed offense around him, I think, only is going to make him better. So kudos to you, Miles Sanders managers, getting him back for the stretch run in fantasy football leagues. Let's move over to the Los Angeles Rams. A couple of injuries we have been watching there. The first is with Cooper Cup dealing with both wrist and oblique issues. Uh, Sean McVay on Thursday saying that Cup is, quote, on track to play. So nothing we're going to worry about just yet. This is a game that kicks off in the late window on Sunday, one of six that kicks off in the late window on Sunday. So hopefully we will have an official thumbs up before we have to make that decision. But with six games kicking off late, maybe you'll have a few more options to turn to, a few more uh, ways that you can hold back and wait for the official word if it doesn't come on Friday or Saturday. We do have official word on Daryl Henderson. He will play, according to Sean McVay. Got in a limited practice on Thursday. Remember, going back to the Rams' last game, which was in, in Week 8, he had run for uh, 47 yards on eight carries in that game before leaving with a quad injury that kept him out for the rest of the game once he left. We know there are shenanigans in this backfield pretty much every single week, Derek, but we also know, for being honest with ourselves, that Daryl Henderson has been easily the most consistent and the best performer in that backfield. So in this matchup against Seattle, what's your confidence level in starting him? It's pretty high. Usually we see Henderson take a little more than half the snaps in this offense. I think you're looking at probably a 60-40 split in touches with Henderson versus Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers sort of combined. I think figuring out how the two backs behind Henderson are utilized is a, a greater challenge right now than getting a grasp on Daryl Henderson's role. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, and I have Daryl Henderson in one league, a league I care about, and right now I've got him in the starting lineup just ahead of DeAndre Swift to give you an idea of where I am on Daryl Henderson this week. Let's move over to the Houston Texans. David Johnson misses another practice, unlikely to play this week against the Browns. This was always expected. It's pretty much par for the course now when a player suffers a concussion that he misses at least one game, frankly, as it should be par for the course. So looking like Duke Johnson is going to get a start in a revenge spot against his former team, the Cleveland Browns. We've talked about Duke Johnson a few times in this show this week, Derek. I don't love him, but you look at the volume he got last week, 16 carries and four targets once David Johnson was out of that game. When you have any running back getting that sort of touch load, it's really hard to turn away from him. Even if you take, you know, 25% of that touch load away from him, we're talking about him getting 15 touches. I think if you've got Duke Johnson, you probably want to roll him out there. Yeah, especially in full PPR formats. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he catches four or five passes and only carries the ball maybe a dozen times. Uh, as far as the other Houston running backs go, I don't have any faith that any of those depth options are going to pick up enough touches to be viable. 
behind mm-hmm. Duke. But the thing that continues to stick in my mind is over his entire career, Duke Johnson has only had five games in which he has carried the ball 10 or more times. His career high in carries in a game is 16, and that came in week nine of this season. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that gives us a little bit of insight as to where the, the ceiling is, but I wouldn't expect much more than what we just saw from Duke against the Jags. Yeah, and if I had to bet, I would actually bet that he comes in under the 20 touches he got against the Jags last weekend. Really not just because of a game flow thing, although that's obviously part of it. I don't think we can really ever count on 20 touches for a running back who isn't named McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, someone like that. But also just because of the differences when a team is changing in-game on the fly rather than having a week to prepare for a certain personnel grouping, right? They didn't know that they were going to be without David Johnson for most of the game last week. It just happened to them. And so they really had to pivot quickly. This week, they've been able to plan for not having David Johnson. So I'm sure there are going to be some touches built in for non-Duke Johnson backs in ways that just weren't possible a week ago. But even with all that and even with understanding what his limitations are, Really hard to turn your nose up uh, at a running back who is going to get the expected touches that Johnson is. If you are someone who is already deep at the running back position and you scoop Duke Johnson off waivers, good for you. Maybe you could sit him, but most people probably are going to want to be playing him in Week 10. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's head on over to the Bengals now, Derek, where we actually have some bad news on Joe Mixon. This was a situation that I think most of us just assumed with all the time that Mixon had missed because of the foot injury, uh, throw a bye week in there too. We all basically thought that he was going to be good to go for week 10, but that is not looking like the case. Mispractice again on Thursday. Nothing official yet and always could get a limited session in on Friday, which would have the arrow pointing up, but things are starting to look dodgy for Joe Mixon this week. The Bengals have a very tough assignment as they go on the road to take on the Steelers. Giovanni Bernard, we know the role that he has played for the Bengals with Joe Mixon out, and I think this is very similar to what we just discussed with Duke Johnson, you understand the limitations for Giovanni Bernard going into this game, but you also probably got to play him unless you are really rich at the position. Yeah, I mean, it's a really tough matchup. The Steelers are very stingy against opposing backs, and you look at what happened efficiency-wise the last time we saw Gio Bernard in a difficult matchup like this one. It was eight carries for 15 yards, three catches for 13 yards against the Colts in Week 6. He did get into the end zone, which really salvaged a poor week. Otherwise, I think you're looking at 16 to 18 touches. He's had 18 touches in back-to-back games. It's just going to be one of those brutally inefficient kind of days where you're going to be happy if he scores, and you're going to be kind of bummed if he doesn't, barring 
you know, an excessively high number of receptions or something that really boosts his floor in half PPR and PPR leagues. Yeah, the one thing that has me feeling decent about him is just where this Bengals passing game stands right now. Uh, we know that they are letting Joe Burrow sling it. They feel very good about the way they've been able to throw the ball. Burrow is really ascending. I, I worry a little bit about that offensive line standing up against Pittsburgh's front seven. But with the way Bernard is always involved in the passing game, even when Mixon is healthy, feel like he can still fit in. I feel like that actually increases his touchdown upside versus, like, let's just say Alexander Madison stepping in for an injured Dalvin Cook. Like, I think that Bernard's touchdown upside increases because of his involvement in the way Cincinnati's offense runs versus what Madison uh, did when Cook was out in wood if Cook were to ever get injured again. And let's just knock on wood as someone very heavily invested in Delvin Cook that that does not happen. Uh, let's move on to our next topic here. It is in New England with Damian Harris. Limited in practice once again, dealing with both chest and ankle issues. It's really the chest that is limiting him. He had the ankle issue a week ago and was able to play through it, then suffered the chest injury in the win over the Jets. This is a short week, of course, for the Patriots on Sunday Night Football against the Ravens. You're probably playing Damian Harris if he goes, but let's say he doesn't go. What's your interest level in Rex Burkhead? Effective last week against those lowly Jets. 12 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Also had three targets. The yardage he put up on those targets weren't meaningful, but still, Three targets, 12 carries, even in this uh, offense against the Ravens defense. Again, hard to turn your nose up at that sort of touch load. Yeah, I mean, you look at Burkhead, if you're looking at total touch percentage in this offense, so carries and catches combined, Burkhead and Harris have coexisted in terms of volume. So if you take Harris out of the equation, Rex Burkhead kind of tracks toward must-start status based on volume because of the matchup. You're dialing back the expectations there, but it might not be unlike the expectations we have for Mike Davis filling in for Christian yeah, sure. McCaffrey if Rex Burkhead is filling in and taking over the bulk of the touches in this backfield. Obviously, James White still has a pass-catching role there as well, but I think Burkhead would creep into that 20-25 to 25 range among running backs if Harris can't go. Yeah, I think this is also similar to what we talked about with Jacoby Myers a little bit earlier this week. You have to be realistic about who this team played a week ago and who they're playing this week. Not only just the difference in opponent when you're talking about the Jets' defense and the Ravens' defense, but the difference in expected game flow. That game against the Jets was back and forth, higher scoring than a lot of people expected. I think it was in a one-score window the entire game. This game against the Ravens, this could get ugly, and it could get ugly quickly. So that could change things also for really everyone involved in New England. But still, Rex Burkhead with Damian Harris potentially out could definitely be in our fantasy plans. One more backfield to look at before we wrap things up here. It is in Miami, and it is with Matt Breida. We touched on him just briefly on Thursday's episode. Now that he got another limited practice in, I want to go a little deeper on him. Limited practice is actually an upgrade from where he was a week ago. He didn't practice at all, and it was pretty much no secret going into Friday that he wasn't going to play against the Cardinals last week. But now two limited practices in a row with that hamstring injury. If he can get one more, even just limited on Friday, feel pretty good about him going against the Chargers and no one in that backfield did anything to distinguish himself with Brita out last week. We've talked about this, Derek, a couple of times now. If anyone can do what Miles Gaskin has done for this team, Matt Brita is the obvious guy to step in that role and basically be a one for one replacement. I would be pretty interested in starting him if he's able to go. Yeah, I think Brita has been the clear number two behind Miles Gaskin all season. So it was kind of disappointing that with an opportunity to step in for Gaskin, Brita was hurt last week. I would imagine 
we're looking at you know, 25% of the total touches in the offense as a ceiling for Matt Breida and, and easy like 20% is well within reach as well. I think that becomes more significant because of how well Tua Tungavailoa played last week. The Chargers are a solid defense, but Breida can be involved both as a runner and as a pass catcher. So he ticks a lot of boxes, and he also is, is strong, strongly in that mix, kind of where Burkhead you know, and, and other back, Gio Bernard, same kind mm-hmm. of concept. All the same mix, yep. Competent backup with enough functions to be an above-average play at the position for this week. All right, you're going to be keeping an eye on all of those injury situations when Friday's practice reports come out, and you're also going to want to keep these names and their injuries in mind. These are what they did on Thursday. Kenyon Drake was limited because of his ankle injury. Devontae Freeman actually had to cut his practice participation short because he aggravated his ankle injury, so Wayne Gallman looking like he's going to get another start. Debo Samuel, no practice with the hamstring. DJ Chark, no practice with a non-COVID illness. David Montgomery, no practice because of his concussion. TJ Hawkinson, this one came out of nowhere, no practice. Forget about limited, no practice for TJ Hawkinson because of his because of a toe injury. Justin Jackson, no practice again with that knee issue. And then Jair Alexander, also in the concussion protocol, he did not practice for the Green Bay Packers. We'll end it on a good note, end the week on a good note. Noah Fant, full practice for the Broncos. So all systems go for Noah Fant, which should be a fun game between the Broncos and the Raiders. And that will do it for this episode for this week on Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, get yourself a subscription, just $1 a week. Go to theathletic.com slash football in 15 to sign up. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you next week. Until then, have a great weekend and enjoy all the Week 10 action.